Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the February Room, where we talk shop, tie flies, and share the fishing stories you never heard. I'm Lauren Carnot, your host, and this is the February Room. Presented by CD Fishing USA. Innovative construction equals exceptional performance. Visit cd-fishing.us and follow us on Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook. And remember to go fishing. Welcome to the February Room. My name's Lauren and I'm sitting here, well, Skyping with Dave Cook. And Dave Cook is the owner of Skinny Waters Fly Fishing Adventures. Welcome, Dave. Hi, Lauren. How are you doing today? Uh, I'm good. It's beautiful in Missoula. I didn't get out to fish today, but I was out two days ago and it was a sort of a bust, but it was a beautiful day. What do we have on the vice? This fly has no name because I have changed and created different variations. It's it's a Christmas Island fly. It's got a couple of combinations of different things I've seen on either guides flies or other buddies flies that I liked. And after fishing this for several trips, I am convinced if you could only bring 10 flies, you'd bring 10 of these. Maybe two weights, but this fly works almost all the time. What is it targeting? Uh, bo- I'm sorry, bonefish. Is that your favorite fish to catch? Um, You know, it's one of my it's one of my favorite fish to fish for when I'm out by myself on my paddleboard. Um, there's something about being in that really skinny water. Um, I typically have headphones on. I'm listening to a book on tape, 
or a podcast or something. And I just, I love my time in a foot of water on the paddleboard looking for bonefish. So it's one of my favorite. It's not, you know, it's not the most glamorous, but it's really, for me, it's, it's, it's up there. Can you tell me a little bit more about Skinny Waters? Absolutely. So Skinny Waters was born sort of out of my desire and passion for DIY fishing, um, do-it-yourself fishing. When uh, I had been to Christmas Island years ago and flying over the island, you get a good view of how vast and how much fishing there is there. Um, And I knew a lot of it wasn't hit by the guides. Um, So on my first trip, I went guided. And after that, I started looking into ways to get there and fish on my own. Um, I ended up getting hooked up with this lodge, Laguna View Resort, and it was a family-run place. Um, No outside money, just a local family and five daughters, and they just did a great job. So I ended up staying with them on a couple different trips. And after seeing how well they took care of me and seeing that um, there was just unlimited potential and just, you know, hundreds of miles of fishing there that, that wasn't touched by many folks, Um, I approached the owner and told him that I wanted to help him book some DIY guys. No other lodge on the island still is doing any kind of DIY fishing. Um, It's either guided or nothing. And so I approached the owner. I wasn't sure what he'd say. He was completely on board. And that was, I believe, about three years ago. And we're growing each year. Um, We send a fair number of DIY and guided folks to the island. But I still have never had a fisherman come back and say they've seen anyone else when they're fishing on the island. They have the whole place to themselves. Do you have to be a bit more experienced to go travel out there with for fly fishing? You have to have a bit of knowledge to know what you're doing? It certainly helps. I have sent I've sent some folks who have limited knowledge and part of part of my service is that I can hold your hand to any degree you desire. Um, even as far as, as you know putting you on some spots through Onyx or GPS that I know there's fish, I know you'll be successful. Um, if you've never ever thrown for bonefish or GT or triggerfish, I'd probably recommend you go guided at least a few days first, if not a whole trip first, before you tackle DIY on your own. But DIY there is extremely easy and it's very easy to be successful. So I know you said that you really enjoy paddle fishing for these fish. Yep. I feel that if I was to go on a paddle on a paddleboard and trying to learn how to cast, I feel I might have an opportunity to fall in the water. Has that ever happened um, to you? Oh my gosh, yes, I've fallen in. Um, usually it's during an excited mo- exciting moment when there's a fish there, when something's going on, or when I, sometimes I'll, I have a bucket on my paddleboard. And in my mind, I think, well, if I can be a foot and a half higher, I could certainly see more fish. So I'll try and climb up on this bucket on top of a paddleboard Um, it's rarely a good idea and typically I'll end up in the water after about 10 seconds of seeing a little further. Um, it's actually really easy to fish off a paddleboard. I use an NRS paddleboard. Um, it's four, almost 40 inches wide, 11 feet long, and it's very stable. In fact, I've, I'm even able to put someone in front of me and sort of help guide them while, while they fish. So it's not, it's not as hard as you'd think. We went to the Bahamas almost last year and Justin paddle was using a paddle board and fishing also. And we had tiger sharks below. They were circling him. It terrified me. I could never, that's when I think of oceans, I think of sharks. Have you ever had any close encounters with sharks in the Bahamas? Lots of close encounters. Um, I've caught sharks off the paddle board. 
um, and I've always abandoned the paddleboard before they got very close. Um, but I've never had any scary moments with sharks ever while fishing. Interesting story. Um, way back when, when I was in college, I taught scuba diving. And my boss at the time at the dive shop that I taught out of, we were in Indiana, and he had, he had at the time built the largest dive program in the country in the backwoods of Indiana. Um, he was a neat guy. And we used to hit a place on Grand Cayman, so a couple times a year we'd bring students to Grand Cayman to do their checkout dives. Well, he got the bright idea to make a shark cage back in Indiana. We loaded it with stuff he wanted to bring to Cayman Island anyway. And myself and a couple other folks drove from Indiana down to Miami, loaded it on a ship and sent it to Cayman. So we got it to Cayman and we didn't know where or when to find the sharks, but some local guys did. So we went out with some local guys. We could barely fit this shark cage on this boat. And they started chumming on an outgoing tide and the tide was going so fast that when we put the shark cage in the water, it was almost bobbing to the surface sort of at a 45 degree angle instead of sitting nice and straight. There was instantly sharks around and big sharks, you know, the smaller ones were seven or eight feet and there were some up to up to 10 feet. And the shark cage was too far from the boat to jump right onto it. And no one was brave enough to swim to get into the shark cage. So the shark cage became storage. We never got into it. Um, the local guys ended up hooking a couple of sharks. Kamanians and probably a lot of other island folks like that hate sharks. They all know someone who's had a bad run-in with a shark and they want to kill any shark they can get their hands on. And so they caught a shark and they, they were in a boat that was probably 10 feet long. They caught a, uh, about a seven foot shark, pulled it up into the boat and everyone jumped up on the up on the bitty little edge trying to get away from the shark that was thrashing around. They managed to kill the shark, we went in. And as we got to land, the comedians were really excited and we couldn't understand what they were excited about until we got to the shark and saw the shark's stomach was moving. It had babies in it. And sharks live birth their young, not eggs, right? So we wanted to, of course, open her up and let the babies go. They wanted to open it up and kill more sharks. We ended up compromising. They got two, we got two, we let two, we, we let two go. We have no idea, they swam away. We have no idea what happened, but that's been my, my scariest encounter with sharks. But fishing, I've never, you know, they're skittish, they're afraid of you. I'm surprised that you said target sharks were underneath the paddleboard. You may have been in a spot where folks have fed them before or they're somehow conditioned and not be really as scared, be scared of folks. But typically any shark I come across, um, they might be curious until they figure out what you are and then they're, they're gone as fast as they can be. When's the best time to go to Christmas Island and the Bahamas to, do, to go fishing? I get that question a lot, especially about Christmas Island. Christmas Island is just off the equator. Um, Given that, no matter what time of year you go, you'll get the same weather patterns. You'll get 85 degrees during the day, 75 degrees at night. Um, it can be a little rainier in the spring, but you can go to Christmas Island any time. It, it just, there's no, there's no time of year that's better than any other time. The only thing you do want to pay attention to is tides and, and moon phases. Um, other than that, you just, you go when you can. Bahamas is different. Um, it's windier in the winter. Um, I typically go to the northern, or sorry, southern more Bahamian Islands, and you don't get the colder weather that the northern island gets. If I was going to something, someplace in the north, I wouldn't go in the winter. I'd probably wait and go in the fall, spring, or summer. And I know that this is probably something that a lot of guides and outfitters are thinking now that we have coronavirus is now 
a daily conversation in all of our lives. How is that affecting your business? Um, you know, it was, I had a couple of fishermen who had gone over to, if you, when you go to, from anywhere near the U.S., in order to get to Christmas Island, you go to Hawaii, you overnight in Hawaii on a Monday night, and you leave Tuesday morning to go to Christmas Island. Only one flight in and out a week to Christmas Island, um, Wednesday to Wednesday. I had some folks who, uh, uh, two older retired gentlemen, one was his first ever big fly fishing trip, one had fished a lot and had already been to Christmas Island. These guys were in Hawaii on a Monday, ready to get on the plane on Tuesday when Fiji Airways came out and said, due to the coronavirus, if you've been in any country in the last two weeks has, has had a reported case, you are not getting on our flight. And so these guys were not able to get on their flight and had to come home. Since then, I've had a big handful of folks I've had to I'd give refunds to because they just weren't able to complete their trip. And, and right now, the list of countries, basically the country of Kiribati, which Christmas Island falls under, has said, if you've been in a country that's had the virus, you need to be someplace free of it for two weeks before you come in. That list is very small now, so no, no one is coming on the Christmas Island right now, and I'm sure the folks there are struggling. I've talked, I've talked to my lodge a few times, and they're putting a brave face on it, but I'm sure they're, they're feeling the pinch. What do you think the future of Skinny Waters, do you think it will change because of the coronavirus? Uh, no. I have folks who are who are chomping at the bit to book. In fact, Tina and I just, um, you know, fares are cheap right now. So we, we just booked our Christmas trip um, uh, to Christmas Island. I don't, I don't think it'll change a bit. I think everything's just put on, on pause. And I hope that's the same with, you know, with guides and out, outfitters and shops and anyone who can sort of survive this. You know, I don't see why they're not gonna, you know, things shouldn't be status quo once we're once we're over this. I hope so too. I hope the fishing community can come out stronger when all this is said and done. What I think is really interesting about the do-it-yourself platform is that when you're with a guide, sometimes those days are done at five o'clock, as opposed to the do-it-yourself, you can fish for as long as you want to. Right. You know, it's, it's interesting you mentioned that. Almost any place you go to fish with a guide, they have a set fishing day. You know, it might be 7 to 4.30, it might be whatever. Um, Christmas Island has not done that yet, um, especially with, with our lodge, with Lagoon View Resort. You dictate your fishing day. If you wanna, if you don't wanna start fishing till nine, but fish till dark, you do it. If you wanna start fishing at six in the morning and finish at six at night, they will fish whatever you want to. I always suggest, because I, I my feeling when I'm on a fishing trip is, whether I've got three weeks or one week or two days, in my mind, I'm thinking, you've only got two days. You've only got a week. You've only got three weeks. So I like to maximize daylight. If I can fish, I'm fishing. Um, and a lot of folks are like that. They're, they're hardcore. And, and so I always tell folks, if you're going to fish the guides really hard, tip them appropriately, you know, much more than you typically would. But 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 the guides on Christmas Island, and this goes with most, lodge, most lodges there, don't have necessarily a set fishing day. And it's one of the few places that I know of that's like that. Um, but I agree, um, DIY, you you set your fishing day. There's been a lot of days where, where Tina and I will go out exploring and we won't even wet a line. I mean, we'll, be, we'll get lost, we'll have to figure out where we are because we're using Google Earth and looking at all these places that look so good. And then it's just a matter of once you're on the ground, trying to figure out how to get there. And, that, and that's for us, that's, that's a big part of the fun 
it's just it's just sort of navigating new new places. I want to hear a great catch on the paddleboard. Um, the last time, and this wasn't a great catch necessarily, but I was in the Bahamas. I was in on Great Inagua, and I had found a spot where it was just loaded with with baby tarpon. We're talking tarpon anywhere from ten to maybe forty pounds, and they were eating well. Everything was going really as good as you could hope. I was on the paddleboard. The only exception to how well things were going, and I'm going to preface this really quickly by saying, um, the first time I ever used a paddleboard, I was going fishing with a buddy, and he was packing along this paddleboard, and I was berating him for wasting a checked piece of luggage, and we'll never use that thing, and you're so silly to bring that. Don't bother. And then to literally being on it for an hour and going, okay, I get it. I could not have been more wrong. But the one thing that he didn't have and that I since have fixed is that he brought a two-piece kayak paddle. And when you, you've probably noticed it, where, when you were fishing in the Bahamas, it's always windy. Wherever you saltwater fish, it's almost always windy. And to push around a paddleboard with a paddle while standing in the wind is not very easy. So we ended up using that paddle as a push pole. And we were just sort of grabbing the big end, pushing the other big in the sand and propelling ourselves that way. Well, it didn't work very well because every time you hit the sand with the paddlehead, it would sink in four inches. When you'd go to pull it out, you'd take away 30% of your momentum, right? So um, I contacted Stiffy Push Poles, and they're one of the premier push pole companies, and told them what I wanted to do and asked them if they had anything. And they laughed and they said, no, we don't have anything remotely like that. And I asked them if they'd be willing to make their prototype, and they were completely on board. And since I've helped them sell a, a few. But what we made was we made up a four-piece carbon push pole that looks the same as any other you know, 20-foot push pole that you'd see a guide have. But this one breaks down into pieces that are less than 34 inches, and it fits in your, in your bag. So I can take this thing down, put it, wrap my paddleboard around it, and now I have a push pole that I can stake out with, I can push around. It, it's, it's made the experience on the paddleboard a hundredfold better. So the reason I bring that up is because when I was in Great Inagua, the bottom was so silty and so soft that I couldn't even push the board, essentially. I had to try and lay the, the Y part of the paddle, of the uh, push pole rather, on top of the mud slash silt and sort of just gently coax it. I couldn't do it. Well, I had a fish on, took a wrong step and fell into the silty, nasty stuff. And I ended up landing the fish, but I couldn't get the smell, the sulfury smell, out of my booties, out of my shorts, out of my compression underwear, out of the, off the push pole for weeks. In fact, I fear when I get it wet, it's gonna be still on there, so. Um, not the greatest catch. I've never hooked anything, never hooked anything larger than a tarpon on a paddleboard. Typically, if I'm, if we're using it on Christmas Island and I'm, I'm stalking a GT, the last thing I'll do is I'll be on the paddleboard. So I'll jump off, toss my little anchor and, and stalk it on foot. I think a lot of people are going to be wondering, what is somebody who has an operation with skinny waters doing a lot of tropical um, angling? What what brought you to M Missoula? You know, honestly, when I was when I was a Midwest boy, I probably couldn't have thrown a dart at Montana. I wouldn't have known where it was. Um, like I said, a girlfriend at the time had a brother here. She said, and and I was I was out of out of school and needing to get away from the school town to sort of get out of the college mode and, and wanted to go someplace I hadn't been. I knew I wanted to get out of the Midwest. 
She had been through Missoula several times on trips out to see a brother. And she said, let's go there. I have a teaching degree. We knew we were coming for half a year. Couldn't find a teaching job, which turned out to be a, a blessing. Um, hit Montana and things fell into place really well. And I, I um, bought a business right away and um, I'm still operating that business in addition to other things I do. But Missoula has just been a great, a great base. It's, it's horrible if you're a saltwater fisherman. Um, cause traveling from Montana, it's not very easy to get anywhere. Um, most places in the Bahamas, it's a two day trip going and coming. You just can't get there in one day. Have you tried paddle boarding, um, the rivers in Montana and fishing? Um, you know, we, um, years ago, every few years I'll get a selway permit. Um, and I haven't for years, but a, a handful of years ago, um, my buddy's dad brought in one of the early inflatable paddle boards. Um, they hadn't figured out the technology to get it very firm yet. And so we we paddle boarded part of, no, it wasn't the cell, it was the Smith, I'm sorry. We paddle boarded part of the Smith and we all took turns on it. But other than that, I have not been on the river um, on my paddle board. Um, I, don't, I don't know if I mentioned this, but I have a, a strange allergy slash aversion to cold water. And even in August when the rivers are warm, I'm doing air quotes, um, I'm still not a big fan and won't get into them very often. So I want to check out the fly. How is it coming along? It, uh, well, I got, uh, got one done. Oh, look at it. It looks very shrimpy to me. This one's even a little heavy. That wing should be even lighter. You know, bonefish in different places are different. Bonefish in the Bahamas love legs on their flies. Um, Christmas Island bonefish, you put legs on that fly, they are way less interested. So um, the Christmas Island bonefish like a fly that is very sparsely tied with almost nothing on it. Um, in fact, I've, I've essentially thrown a hook with eyes and a little scrap of thread and I've gotten eats on it. Well, I think it looks tasty to me. I would love to take it on my trip to Christmas Island and especially um, the Bahamas, especially because we're supposed to have some snow this weekend. So I could imagine myself being there right now. It's interesting, Justin was saying the other uh, day when I saw him that uh, we should all try and get a trip in the books together someplace. I would love that, honestly. I think what's important to be doing during the coronavirus is to start planning fun adventures even though um, it doesn't seem anything's gonna change anytime soon, it will. And I think to plan those do-it-yourself trips is, um, and go to the Bahamas and go to Christmas Island is so vital for the human mind to know that at one point things are gonna change and life will continue on. Well, and, and, and for me, I love the planning phase of a trip. I love, you know, finding the best deal on tickets. I love tying. I love researching, especially for a new place, you know, trying to research um, and find out what I should use and what I should bring and how to get there and how to, because any place I go, I'll, I'll DIY now. It's, it's, I just, I've sort of committed to not, not using guides. Um, and I should mention too, it's, it's interesting. Every now and then I'll have somebody throw out a negative comment saying that, you know, wow, oh, you really should be fishing with guides when you go to these places because, you need to support them. And if you know you're not going to use a guide, you shouldn't go. Um, I always find it interesting that, that they're missing the fact that I'm supporting the people who sell food. I'm supporting the people who rent cars. I'm supporting the people who sell gas. Um, I'm, you know, I'm supporting the locals in a lot of ways. Uh, the only truth to that is I'm not handing a guide money. Um, 
So I, I don't know, I've heard that before, just saying, you know, well, it's, you know, you're cutting out the guides. It's like, well, not everybody fishes with a guide. And also, I think it is that not everyone can afford a guide. And I think you're also hitting um, a, a group of people who want to go travel the world and fish these places, but can't afford a guide a day. And so maybe it's the best of both worlds. Maybe you're giving them opportunity to have a guide for one day and then go next day on their own. Because I think there's this idea that if you can't give it 100%, you can't do it at all. But you can do a little... You can have the best of both worlds. Do one guide, do the do it, do it yourself the next day, and see what what you feel suits you the best. Right, and that's a that's a super good point. I, I'm I'm lucky enough to travel quite a bit, and the only way I can travel as much as I can is I can go really inexpensively. Um, last trip, um, some of the folks there were some folks down that we had booked, and they turned out to be from Butte, and it was a couple that we got we got along with really well, and ended up fishing with them almost. The, the, the second two weeks of our trip. And we got the, the wives guides a couple days and there was a couple of times that, that Joe and I got a guide. And it was funny when walking around the guide and having him help me throw to a, catfi- a catfish, a bonefish and land one, it was such an underwhelming experience to feel like, well, I don't, I don't know if the guide saw the fish first or I saw the fish first. And even though the guide didn't need to tell me how far to cast or to, you know, a little more left, he was doing that. And and for me personally, and I can't speak to anyone else, but I'd rather go out and be skunked all day knowing that I was on my own than having a guide tell me, you know, cast over there. Well, I don't see the fish. I know I see it. Cast over there. No, a little more left. Yeah, 30 feet. Wait, drop it. I still don't see the fish. I know it's okay. Strip. Wait, wait, strip. Oh, you got him. I'm like... Well, I hooked him, but you sort of got him, you know, and it's, and, and I don't want to take away from the experience that anyone else, you know, has with that. But for me, it just doesn't, it doesn't mean as much as if I can stalk that fish, cast that fish after seeing that fish and, and hook him and land him myself. I mean, it's just, it's for me, it's never been a numbers game. It's been about being there and being on the flat and being in the position where I might see and catch fish. That's sort of all I've wanted. So where do people go to learn more about your operation um so uh if you type in skinny waters you will find me www.skinnywaters.com um that's probably the best way to to find me and to reach out we're on uh, instagram instagram at um fish skinny waters at gmail.com well thank you so much dave for sharing us some of your fishing stories and your beautiful what do you call that what do you call that fly um <laughs> I'm going to call it Dave's Christmas Island Semi-Special. I hope that we get to go fish with that fly on our next Christmas Island vacation. Thanks, Lauren. Good talking to you. To see this fly pattern and previous flies, go to cd-fishing.us and click the blog. And remember to go fishing. <laughs>